Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another show of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a very special guest joining us. She is an esteemed expert in the field of functional nutrition with an impressive background in scientific research and a passion for optimizing health. Please welcome Sarah Devido. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, uh, Sarah, like uh, your journey from being a scientist at prestigious institutions like National Institutes of Health and uh, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to becoming um, a researcher and practitioner in functional nutrition is truly fascinating. So, so could you tell, tell us more about um, your background and what led you to this field? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, to start off with, I never thought I would end up uh, in functional nutrition to begin with, but um, I've always loved the sciences. I grew up uh, in Southwest Florida near the Everglades, so I was always interested in biology and how the world works and in nature. And so I pursued um, an undergrad and graduate degree in the sciences, um, got my master's degree in studying uh, marine sponges. We would dive in the Bahamas and studying how biofilms are for formed uh, for sponges. So very different from what I was doing now. But then I took a job um, after grad school in um, molecular genetics at NIH, National Institutes of Health. Um, but soon after that, I started to experience a lot of health issues of my own. And a lot of my blood work was coming back normal in the um, traditional medicine setting. And I knew I didn't feel normal, you know, uh, chronic fatigue, uh, insomnia, anxiety, a little bit of depression. I knew there had to be a better way because this isn't how I felt previously. And so I sought out some alternative methods and got in, uh, saw a functional nutritionist. She was amazing, figured me out, explained what was going on with me hormonally. And just with some, you know, very minor food and supplements adjustments, I got my energy back, um, felt amazing. And so I was so amazed at what she did. And I was like, I want to learn more about this. You know, can I come work for you? Can I come be, be your researcher? You know, because I love science, I love figuring things out. And it was a beautiful uh, synergy where I would just, you know, help support her clinical findings through research. And I just loved it. I spent over five years um, researching how food and supplements heal the body. And then uh, I started my, had the opportunity to start my own practice. And uh, it's really, I feel like it's my calling and it's my passion um, to help people. And I feel like I was put through my journey so I could, um, gain the knowledge and then spread the knowledge to my to my clients and it's really fulfilling and i love seeing people get their lives back as i got mine back wow that's that's remarkable sarah like 
it's 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 an evident that uh, you have been dedicated to staying at the uh, forefront of functional nutrition and the medicine so uh, i understand like uh, you recently presented your uh, research on um, abnormal uh, proteins in our diet and uh, their potential impact on the diseases at a prestigious conference so could you tell us more about it like what exactly happens sure sure you know just seeing um there's so much disease that's out there right now. And, you know, if you're looking at Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and cancer and even uh, type 2 diabetes, they've all been linked to these abnormal proteins. And as I started to research it, I was really uh, reading a lot in the literature and I came across these uh, like a, a meta study at a University of Cambridge. And they were looking at how many of these diseases um, are affected by abnormal proteins. And we can make abnormal proteins in our body. You know, our body isn't always perfect, but it's designed to clear it out, you know, and every night when we sleep, we clear it out. You know, they talk about autophagy, you know, intermittent fasting and helps clear everything out. You know, the problem is, is when we get overloaded, you know, when we start to get our bodies are inflamed and we're eating a lot of abnormal proteins, as well as um, making it uh, sometimes in our own body when it just doesn't get made right. Um, and then the body's like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm not, we're not sleeping, you know, where it's not being cleared out. It tends to put it in things like, you know, in tumors or puts it on plaques, you know, for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's inside the cell. It can gum up the cell and cause all these issues. And then uh, reading further, you know, because we were having a lot of people that weren't uh, digesting proteins well, they weren't assimilating the proteins well, they couldn't gain uh, any muscle mass. And so then I was like, there has to be um, some other exogenous source where people are getting these abnormal proteins. And I found these uh, researchers in Japan, and they did this study and looked at uh, skeletal muscle in um, in animals, and they found that these abnormal proteins, um, as you know, the animal was inflamed as well, um, had um, some inflammatory um, stimuli trigger it would put these abnormal proteins in a skeletal muscle. And what do we eat? We eat the skeletal muscle. So if our body's already overloaded with abnormal proteins and we're get, eating more of it in our diet, then it's really, um, um, it's a, it becomes overloaded, you know, and then the disease that's in our body. So it was really fascinating um, just trying to understand the mechanism of what could be going on. And then once we understand the mechanism, we can find ways to heal the body and the heal, you know, the body's designed to heal if we give it the right tools. Wow, like it's it's uh, fascinating. I will definitely say, and it's it's clear that uh, you are truly dedicated to empowering individuals on uh, their health journeys. So your your personal experience with uh, chronic fatigue, uh, weight gain, and insomnia gives you a unique perspective and empathy uh, for your clients. Definitely. So. Um, so your expertise and dedication and the remarkable results uh, you have achieved with your clients uh, make you an invaluable asset in the field of uh, functional nutrition. So we are definitely honored to have you here today and uh, sharing your knowledge and with our audience, definitely. So thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And for all the listeners, stay tuned as we delve deeper into a thought-provoking conversation with Sarah and where we will definitely explore the profound impact of functional nutrition on our health and uncover the strategies to optimize our well-being. So don't go anywhere. Uh, let's let's hear it. So, uh, so Sarah, like uh, before we uh, get deeper into this topic, like can you explain what 
abnormal proteins are because i guess th- sure. this this term uh, may be uh, not familiar with not not everyone is familiar with and how they differ from regular proteins in our diet Right, absolutely. So there's different, you know, proteins in our body that we, you know, they'll carry other um, molecules, carry other um, neurotransmitters, you know, just help um, the body with um, signaling and keeping it metabolic pathways open. And, um, you know, when we eat animal proteins, we break those down into amino acids. And then in our gut, we, you know, in our bloodstream, we we, uh, form these amino acids into proteins that get put in our body. And so it's in that process that, um, you know, if we're eating something that's already misfolded, when our body tries to break it down, it doesn't break it down all the way. And so these misfolded, yes, um, proteins get stuck in our body and they're very sticky and they cause a lot of um, inflammation. They, um, they're hard. Once, the, once these abnormal proteins are not folded in the way they should be, um, it's very hard for the body to like kind of um, envelop it and 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 take it out of the body so um yeah so it's just it's really um you know it's difficult for the body when it gets overloaded then the disease can set in okay okay so um for a normal person like what are some common uh sources of abnormal proteins in the diet right well and it comes from a variety of a variety of um factors as well, environmental factors, really any type of protein that um, is out there. There's even like silk fibers and fibers from or like um, proteins from um, bacteria and viruses that can be abnormally folded. Um, So and and basically also, you know, you can get them from, um, you know, a lot of things are going to manufactured meats, you know, like meats grown in labs and thinking that's healthier and that could have abnormal proteins either. So it's not just the animal proteins. It can be any type of environmental factor. So we just have to be really clean about where we find um, the best type of animal source to eat. Um, so that's why you really want to look at, you know, the farming practices, where you're buying your meat. You know, most of the, the meat is very inexpensive um, and it's on sale. Most likely it's coming from a place where the animals weren't treated uh, in, a, in a nice way and they're inflamed. You know, if the animal's inflamed and we're eating it, those proteins are not in a good quality. So we really want to look for um, uh, animals from farms that are from regenerative practices where the soil is maintained healthily where they're you know doing a lot of rotation so that soil gets uh nourished and so there and then the animals are eating their natural diets you know if it's a cow it's eating that Mm. um grass if it's a chicken it's eating the insects it's letting it being foraged these animals should need to be foraged and you know be in a healthy state um and that's really what it comes down to is the animal has to be in a healthy state um, the products we eat need to be in, the, in a healthy state for us not to get so exposed to these abnormal proteins, because mm-hmm. it's when you start to look into it, they really play a big role in our environment. And and then that goes back to us as well. You know, the less that we're inflamed, we're keeping our sugar levels down um, and our body's working well, then we're able to clear any abnormal protein that we might be um, subjected to. Right, right. So I was also wondering, like, uh, when we're talking about the food, or the food which can affect the uh, or can uh, lead to abnormal proteins. So, are there any specific diseases or the conditions that are associated with their consumption? Right. Yeah. So th- that's it's really interesting. There's over like 20 different diseases that are associated with abnormal proteins. Uh, the big ones are Alzheimer's, 
Parkinson's, cancer, even uh, type 1, type 2 diabetes, and some of the lesser known uh, diseases. There's POTS, which is, um, it has to do with the autonomic nervous system. So um, your ability to regulate um, your blood pressure, you know, a lot of people who are getting dizziness upon standing, um, you know, some more obscure uh, diseases like that. It's really uh, common when you look into it. And that review paper um, in the, from Cambridge is really good at showing all these diseases that um, are affected by abnormal proteins. Okay, okay. So because uh, the today's topic is more about um, uh, the the bio or the biology, or maybe um, it's related to human being, the nutrients, the uh, food, food. So uh, the question is like, is there any particular group of people uh, uh, like who may be more susceptible to this uh, negative effects of the abnormal proteins in their diet? Sure, absolutely. Um, the biggest thing, I mean, really, anybody can be affected if you are, um, have high inflammation and have high um, long-term sugar levels, like like high um, glucose levels in your blood, because then that's making it really uh, hard for the body to work. But there's also, you know, um, certain genes that are affected by, um, you know, people have might have polymorphisms in their genes. So, um, they just don't work as well. And there's a lot of genes tied to liver and metabolism um, and fat metabolism, being able to clear things as well. Um, there's even some people, um, you know, with the Alzheimer's, there's the APOE4 uh, polymorphism is the gene um, where they just don't uh, clear animal proteins as well. And so um, it's always good to look at that. You know, if um, someone is high, um, has a high, Mm -hmm. degree of disease like all right let's look at uh your genes and see where they might be expressing and you know the, i like to think of genes as our blueprint of our house you know if, you're, if we think of our body as a house uh, our genes are a blueprint but then you know is our house made of straw or is it made of bricks and that's how our genes get expressed you know, by our environment. So do we take care of ourselves and um, do we grow in a healthy environment so our house is made of bricks? So anything that comes by, we're good? Or is our body inflamed and we're and we have a lot of uh, triggers coming in that we, our bodies can't stay healthy and then our house is made more of like straw and, and anything that like a stress or a trauma event, a death in the family can just knock that house over and disease sets in. So it's really uh, a multifactorial approach to keeping the body healthy. And, you know, genes are just one component, you know, it's how you could have a lot of um, genes that aren't great for your metabolism, aren't great for your health. But um, if you're working really well with your body and making it stronger, then you're less susceptible to disease. But uh, as I have understood or heard uh, prior that proteins are the uh, building blocks uh, in our body sure. and it actually help us uh, fight with the diseases. So. Uh, so that means we have some uh, good proteins in our body and we are talking about the uh, negative proteins as well. So how it balances, like how the balance happens. So Yes. Okay. That's a good. Well, it all uh, depends on our detoxification systems. Mm -hmm. You know, as I talked about uh, earlier, like when we sleep at night, that's when we detox. Our, real, our body's really detoxing. So one reason we could be waking up like around... If First, we go to bed around 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and we're waking up around 3 or 4 a.m., 
it could be our body is detoxing them. You know, if we wake up, we have to use the restroom or we're having trouble to go back to sleep in that prime time, your body is detoxing and getting rid of all those abnormal proteins because uh, we can get the abnormal proteins from outside our body, like, you know, ingesting them, but we can also make them by our body not being perfect in its way it's you know forming proteins in the body and so we just that's why detoxification is so important and if you hear a lot about functional medicine and functional uh, nutrition they're really talking about let's detoxify the body let's make sure everything is working properly and it's more like just making sure that our biochemical pathways are actually working so that we can detoxify those abnormal proteins we can keep that inflammation down we can keep our sugar levels balanced um, throughout the day and then by looking at the body as a whole, like food and supplements, you know, are we, is the body optimized, you know, and that's what I love to do is like, is your particular body optimized, making sure you're sleeping well, so you're detoxifying, making sure everything um, is working as well as it could be. Wow, that's something interesting. So, um, so what are the some uh, potential long term consequences of uh, consuming abnormal proteins? Sure. Uh, yeah. So if the body's inflamed. Uh, you can't get rid of these abnormal proteins and everyone is different. So some people it manif- manifest as a tumor and into cancer. You know, um, it's just trying to other people. Uh, it might go into cysts or fibroids uh, in the body. And then um, in terms of Alzheimer's, um, some of these abnormal proteins are forming plaques around our neurons. And so then, you know, our neurons can't connect and contact talk to each other and that they all get gummed up and then Parkinson's that can happen inside the cell. So, you know, if Alzheimer's, it might be outside the cell, but they're also seeing that a lot of these abnormal proteins are inside the cell gumming up inside the cell. And that's just so dangerous because then it becomes cell death, you know, and that neuron will just die from the inside. And so that's really uh, what we want to try and avoid is, um, you know, so that's, that's some places I'm trying to think where else on the nervous system, them, these abnormal proteins, you know, so that could affect the nervous system. Um, you get uh, tremors or, um, you know, I, I've seen, um, you know, so, some places where you're losing function of some limbs, you know, be, because some of the abnormal proteins might be on your nervous system. So it's just really interesting when you start to look at it and what could be the root of the disease for each person. Exactly. So, uh, so also one more thing, like, um, the abnormal proteins right so abnormal proteins are there any um connection or the relation between how does the cooking or maybe uh mm. processing methods uh after or uh the, or the processed methods affect the presence or the activity of the uh, abnormal proteins in our food sure yes oh and that that was really interesting too because they looked at there were some studies that looked at you know, mm-hmm. say an animal that you're eating an animal meat that has abnormal proteins in it, like how much do you, and it didn't matter if you broiled it, you uh, boiled it, you grilled it, it's still going to keep those abnormal proteins intact, you know? So then it's like, okay, what about cooking our meat? Can we create abnormal proteins uh, by cooking our meat? And I haven't found any evidence of that yet. The only thing is like, if it's blackened or charred, you know, when you grill it and like a little piece gets a little too blackened, apparently that can have a lot of um, abnormal proteins and just like carcinogenic uh, factors in it. So even though it might taste a little good, you know, we just don't want to do a lot of it, you know. <laughs> okay. That's something interesting, definitely. Yeah. So, um, so are there any ongoing research or investigation um, of abnormal proteins happening on public health and anything like if, if you want to share something? Okay, great. Like a 
I think what's interesting to me would be uh, research that's looking at what's the tipping point for each person. You know, is this something we can start to measure in the blood? You know, can we, what kind of markers can we develop that we can and look at um, how much abnormal protein somebody might be making. And because they're looking at, you know, these long-term diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and they start, you know, it could be started as early as your 30s and 40s. And that's when you really have to start looking at inflammation. So how cool would that be if we had some markers where we could look and see, okay, this is the amount of abnormal proteins in our blood. Um, You've really got to be careful with X, Y, and Z. And there's different types of proteins that could be abnormal. And knowing, you know, which one it is, you can take, uh, countermeasures to counteract that. I think that would be really cool. I just haven't seen it in the literature yet. <laughs> oh, so uh, and thing I'd like to ask you, like, uh, if if you can if you can uh, mention this for our listeners, like, what steps uh, can individual take to educate themselves and make informed that about the proteins they consume in our diet. Yeah, I think that's great. I think uh, first, um, I've got some um, blood work that I do. So if you go to my Instagram, uh, you can DM me and I can send you a list of um, blood work you can do to look at to make sure your inflammation is being kept down and um, and your sugar levels, your HA1C is low over over time. Um, those are the biggest things. Um, and then just know where your food is coming from. And they say, um, you know, in America, a lot of our um, processed food is in the middle of the store. So you want to eat in the outer edges of the store of our grocery stores, you know, where our meat and our fruits and our vegetables and your whole grains are, because the more things are processed, the more uh, chance there are chemicals, preservatives, abnormal proteins in there that could be affecting your health. Okay. Okay. So any, any uh, promising developments or potential solutions, uh, being explored to mitigate the risk associated with it uh, in our in, in our food oh you mean um what kind of uh, measures are being i don't yeah no i have i haven't seen <laughs> any strong measures you know and i think that's why it has to be kind of like a grassroots effort because mm-hmm. um you know that sometimes it's it's you know you've got to get enough food for the people mm-hmm. and how do you do that quickly and cost effectively and i think sometimes that creates shortcuts that can make it more healthier and you're causing more health issues than than you would have been. Um, yeah. And I think it more may it more have to be a more of a grassroots effort. Like where is your meat coming from? You know, get to know your local farmers and buying uh fruits and vegetables and meats from them um is, you know, a possible solution. <laughs> yes. So uh so in your opinion, uh what role should policymakers or the regulatory uh, agencies play in addressing the potential public health concerns related to the abnormal proteins? I think they should spend a lot of research in in, in finding out um, how an individual's body is working at a particular time, you know, and I think eventually we'll be there. We just won't be there now because, you know, certain medications, certain supplements might work for some people, but not others. And um, really studying how somebody's body, um, how where are their inflammation markers today? You know, when if you're about to give them, um, you know, what are the best foods for them today? You know, based on how their biochemical pathways are working. Um, I just think there needs to be more research in that in that area, and also looking at when a disease does set in. You know, what are the, what is the best food and, and, and supplements? And if it gets too much, you know, what are the best medications for that person? at that point 
um, and looking at their genes, looking at how their genes are expressing. Um, I think some really uh, novel cancer treatments are doing that. They're looking at, um, and I think it has to do with more of like the really abnormal diseases that are out there, like, you know, one five people in, in the world have this genetic abnormality and then they're doing, and there's no other hope. So they're really doing a lot of genetic research of like, how can we manipulate genes to express this differently? Um, which, you know, it's, it's in its infancy, but it'd be really cool to see how that develops over time and just how some food and natural supplements could help some of these um, abnormalities. Yeah. Okay. So for the healthcare professionals and the nutritionists, like, uh, to raise the awareness about this issue, how can uh, they raise this issue and uh, support the individuals in making a healthier dietary choices? Yes, and I think podcasts like this are are great, you know, to get the knowledge out there. I mean, I had no idea there was abnormal proteins in skeletal meat or animal meat. I was like blown away when I was reading this. I was like, wow. And the the Japanese researchers that um, where I first discovered this, the end of their paper, and this was pre-pandemic, pandemic, they said they believe this could be the next human health crisis because it was so impactful. I mean, think about it. We It's just something that hasn't been discovered yet. You know, why is there such a prevalence of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and cancer right now? Like, and I truly believe it's our diet and the way that we're inflamed, the way that we're living our life, we're not, you know, living in a state of abundance and nourishment. And, you know, we really, the first step is awareness, right? Knowing that this could be, and like, okay, now let's take a look at this. Maybe we should be looking at um, markers in animal meat. You know, are there abnormal proteins in this type of animal meat or this lab grown meat? You know, making sure everything's intact because the healthier we are and the health, you know, the, the better we can put things in our body that creates that health, that's what we want. You know, the minute these abnormal proteins start to take a hold, it's it could be really dangerous. So if there's just, you know, more testing and more um, awareness about it and people spreading the word like yourself, this is such a great uh, platform for your listeners to to know about. <laughs> that, that's great, Sarah. Like, uh, also, like, uh, whenever we talk about anything, so there has some positive side and there are some negative sides as well. So from uh, so these are the positive sides we're talking about. But also one thing is coming to my mind, like, are there any misconceptions or myths surrounding this uh, that you'd like to address? Mm, like the abnormal proteins in general or like myths? Hmm. I mean, I think it just comes would come from a place of misunderstanding. You know, are these abnormal proteins really that big of a deal? And I think it's like one part of a whole system, you know, so like say like you're um, eating the best quality animal meat you possibly can eat, but you don't have your friend, you know, your relationships aren't good. Your, you know, their emotional state isn't good. There's so much that goes into health than just one thing. Um, so you could be eating all the healthy animal protein in the world, but the, if there's other triggers that are coming into your environment that are creating a, you know, um, a stress in your body or a disease state, then those have to be uh, taken care of. Um, and I think that's why functional nutrition is going to be growing as a field is because we look at everything, you know, what's your emotional state, um, you know, how well are you detoxifying? How well is your body working um, from a genetic and epigenetic standpoint? Um, and and then um, what are the best things that you could be feeding your body, um, you know, through food, but also emotionally? What are your thoughts? You know, are you in that positive mindset? You know, are you meditating? Are you having creating healthy relationships in your life so that stress is low? Because um, it's multifactoral. And so sure, abnormal proteins might be one part of it, but it's not the whole part. 
exactly exactly so um before we wrap up like uh just wanted to understand like looking to the future uh what changes do you think are necessary to ensure a healthier and safer food supply when it comes to the abnormal proteins i think testing more testing you know developing a testing so that um you know, it's really hard. I think there's some really cool, um, you know, if tuna has always been known as they could have like a high, uh, high heavy metal content, high mercury content. And there's some companies that are actually testing that, you know, I think, um, they, so they actually look at, you know, okay, you know, this is the thing. Are there any heavy metals in this particular can of tuna? And no, and they're not that much more expensive than other, you know, high quality uh, tunas. So, um, I think if we can find a cost-effective way to to do some testing uh, and and just raise where raise awareness about it, I think that would be a good way to keep our public health uh, safe. You know, in, in terms of like lab-grown meat or you know commercial animal meat, like how, what is what is the best quality we can be giving our people? Okay, okay, that's great, and uh, that concludes our thought-provoking discussion on the protein impact or the potential impact of abnormal proteins in our diet and their implications for public health. So I want to extend a heartfelt thank you to our guest, Sarah, uh, for sharing her expertise and shedding light on the important topic. And, and this is really a very important topic. And, uh, and your insights and passion for functional nutrition have truly been enlightening. So thank uh, you. Yeah. So before we sign off, uh, Sarah, like, uh, can you can you let our listeners know how they can connect with you or learn more about your work if they need to understand something? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can find me on uh, my Instagram and Facebook, Sarah DeVito. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Sarah DeVito Health and Wellness. Um, you can find me there, uh, sarahdevito.com. And, and I also having a, a free webinar um, that your listeners can go to and uh, learn more about this. And um, right now, like three culprits that could be sabotaging core hormones. <laughs> so if they go to uh, breakthroughstubbornweight.com or um, healthyhormoneshappylife.com. <laughs> they can get go get that webinar and and learn more about uh, my practice and abnormal proteins. <laughs> well, that's great. Fantastic. So thank you for sharing, Sarah. Uh, I, I'm sure like our listeners will greatly appreciate the opportunity to connect with you and uh, explore further. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us today on the Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Uh, we hope that this episode has sparked your curiosity and prompted you to de delve deeper into the importance of understanding the proteins we consume. So remember that your health is a precious asset and stay informed, make conscious choices and prioritize your well-being. So until next time, take care and be well. Thank you so much.